0: fight club uh, i'm justin julander i'm here with mr chuck poland how are you doing sir hi justin hey how are you oh doing all right <laughs> it's getting cold out nice. here so i don't know about that is it the, the ski resort snow or week, what so yeah oh, you know, that's all you snow. care about is fresh powder snow, so well you know i always say if it's going to be cold it might as well snow you know that's fair yeah. I guess if you, if I lived in Utah, that's how I'd feel too. But I don't, so I don't feel that way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. My my in-laws were, uh, uh, in laws were big. Have you skied this year or snowed? Not no. It, we our the resort we got a season pass to opens in a few days, so we're, uh, we're oh, okay. So there. it's not even. Yeah, I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. How does that, oh, that uh, work out? Do you <laughs> but, guys? yeah, I'm like, excited to k- board again this year. I, I'm a. Sorry, go ahead. Oh man, yeah, dude, man. you're freezing. I know it's. I think you're it's, glitching now. It's probably my my uh, signal here, but we'll we'll we'll. Uh, proceed maybe maybe whack. oh we're definitely blaming yeah. it on you <laughs> okay that sounds good i hear you now i moved my computer a little <laughs> bit i fixed it right <laughs> that's all you got to do yeah you just it's like it's like resetting your satellite exactly. dish you just don't know how to go to your roof Yep. Yeah, I, I, i'll blame the snow there's there's too much snow on the roof right is it is that what's going on <laughs> that's what we'll say sure yeah. uh the ski resort's not even open yet yeah. i don't buy that yeah it's, uh, we, ours our uh, the ski, local ski resorts just 15 minutes down the road. So it's nice and uh, easy to get to, and it's kind of lower elevation. So they usually open a little later, but they're open in the same time as the big one up, up, you know, an hour away up in, up in the mountains. So I'm excited. It should be fun. The kids enjoy it. Nice. So makes for a good time but yeah my in-laws were already always into it and they were always trying to get us to get season passes but they live like they're going to this resort that you know that's an hour and a half away and and is extremely expensive we could never afford it so we finally we got something that we could afford close by home and that's the nice thing is it only takes 15 minutes so you can go do a few runs and then go back home and it's not a big deal so it's so the you way i like, the, to, you, like to do it Do you ride the bunny hill or what Oh man, I'm shredding, man. I don't know. You're shredding. <laughs> no, I'm kind of an old man now, so I don't, I don't take too many risks. I'm not going. No, on like no that. more
1: mo No more mowing people over and
0: and uh, do, doing not. jumps and probably not <laughs> right. a f- a few All a right. few jumps here and there. You know, as long as it's not too too nuts, but. Yeah, I have. I don't know if I've told you this story, but I had an. Uh, I have an uncle
1: who uh, they were avid skiers, and and t- he's too old now, and his knees don't work anymore. And but he thought he would be funny and and kind of you know do the whole sideways thing on skis and totally like sh- shoot <laughs> Spray, snow all over my aunt, yeah. and he plowed her over and <laughs> broke both of her legs. Oh, no. Yeah, that's that's not good. <laughs> not good. Well, they're divorced now,
0: and he probably doesn't feel (laughs) quite as bad as he did at the time. So, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, you can get hurt pretty well. We've taken to wearing, like, helmets and being safe and all that kind of stuff. So, doing it right. But, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Watch out for them trees. Yep. My daughter's coming back from... uh, costa rica next week so that'll be fun to see her again nice. her that was home. fast yeah. yeah
1: is she like just in for a minute or she was there for a semester so back... three three oh, okay. months since okay. august so she's or, done yeah. she's not going back
0: no it's just a yeah just a brief stint and, and she i mean she wants to go back she's already talking about her next adventure so <laughs> she, nice yeah.
1: is she next adventuring somewhere else or probably most is likely she trying yeah. To like
0: yeah. yeah we'll see where she what she does next but yeah she's are you coaching her so
1: you can make a herp Are you coaching her so you can make a herp trip out of
0: it? Oh, always admit I mean, it, admit always. it. There you go, there you it. go. That's <laughs> what I like to see. Yeah, yeah. Gotta, gotta, uh, plan around the, the herp trips. I, I mean, yeah. It, you it, can say what you want. We all know the truth. <laughs> yeah. but hey, yeah, I try to hide it, but you know, I think my wife's on to me. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty on. sure. Haunted me for sure. a few years now. <laughs> yeah, we we've been yeah. married 25 yeah. years, so I think yeah, she's yeah well the, aware. the jig is MO, up at this yeah. point for sure. She even gets yeah, in on it yeah. a little bit, lets me uh, you know get out and do it. So she's a trooper, oh, she's dude, good. I, yeah, she's, she's, she's the best. She's, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> she's into herping more than some herpers are. <laughs> she's she's a great herping partner. I, I really enjoy. Herping with Heidi, yeah, she's she stays awake, she keeps me alert. So, yep, she's worried I'm gonna crash the car if she goes to sleep. So, we're <laughs> getting knocked out by a crowbar. There you go. That too. There you. go. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's she's, a great she's, story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, uh, so man, I I've been battling rodents this week. The downside of keeping rodents is when rodents escape, and I mean I have. I had, you know, a few rats loose in my rodent room, and rats are ridiculously. Just destructive creatures, and they got up. So I had you know insulation all all up on the ceiling to try to keep the heat. So in. let me
1: understand yeah. this right. Yeah. So you you have the insul. So you had like the studded walls, and then you put the insulation, in, and it has like the paper front yeah. that you staple, right? Yep. But you didn't cover it, so it's just the insulation where they can kind of like get through the paper that's and get right. back there. Yep, that's the problem. Make, make crazy, <laughs> yeah. Because I was gonna gotcha. I was
0: gonna buy like the OSB sheets or something to to put over the insulation but then that it went up to like 50 bucks a sheet so no go yeah and uh yeah i've like half the insulation is down you know they've just knocked it out or it's hollowed out behind the paper because they're pulling it and making little tunnels and nests and through the walls i think i've got them all like i i had traps and poison bait and all sorts of stuff to try to get them you know get them back and and i think i'm finally there what was the Uh,
1: what was the trick
0: what Everything was, just, was
1: there a trick? <laughs> I, it, it, I just, think the
0: poison bait it, the, did the best job, but yeah, I felt yeah. bad. Like I hate, you know, but man, they've they've cost me hundreds of dollars, you know, the damage they've sure. done. So I don't feel that so, bad. About so
1: me. when are you gonna are you gonna have to re insulate? Yep. Yep. I brought I bought some and. spray
0: insulation, so hopefully that'll be a little Whoa. more durable. We'll see. Uh eh, we'll see how it goes. Isn't that
1: yeah. uh, I mean, the spray insulation's kinda but you just, what, you buying it in the can or you, like, the most of the places I see do that, they, they come in with a sprayer on like a big,
0: yeah, I, I'm going to just do the cans, see how that goes. I bought some. Oh my Amazon gosh. You're going to spend some money, dude. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm curious money. to see how it goes. I've still got some bats and I still, I'll probably put those up after I spray a bit, but I don't know. I'm just yeah. like, I, I, I ordered it in my fit of rage and so, Okay. I, uh, isn't I know, it
1: cheaper? We'll I mean, works, I, I, I get, I get like what you're saying. But aren't they, gonna chew, aren't they just going to... Aren't they just going to chew through the foam stuff if they get back out again, if you didn't cover it? Like, isn't the key... What I'm saying to you, Julinder, is isn't the key to get some some sheeting on that stuff no matter what you do? Isn't that the fix to the problem? Have we not learned fix, our yeah. lesson here? <laughs> All right, I'm just... I'm well, just,
0: no, I'm saying... Even this, if this is the two episodes is, uh, in
1: a row we were talking about rodents and I I want to give uh, our dang. listening audience more you know what I mean so they're not so they're not in the perpetual state of your rodent room your escapees your 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 your
0: jailbreaked prison guards of of rodent rack <laughs> okay um, yes the plan is to put up some sheeting get it, get it secured but even if I put up the sheeting they can still get between the bats and the roof and so i thought if i spray it and it adheres oh, to I the see. to the roof then at least you know they'd have to get up there Wait, and chew so, it like, out or something up, but
1: they get up above because i, did have,
0: sheeting, I did have some sheeting. i did have some sheeting over part of it um just so that thin like eighth inch you know <laughs> whatever <laughs> and, and uh they still got under that and made little tunnels through it so it's like hollowed out so it's not functioning as as insulation anymore it's just you know yeah like no, hollow no, no. It's, under it's, there so i probably have to pull off the sheeting and fix it and then you know so yeah it's all it's it's like big, warm
1: pink blankets mess, for
0: rats yeah okay so i don't know we've spent enough time talking about that frustration right. <laughs> yeah well
1: i'm sorry you're still going through that and we all want you to fix it. Well, the
0: the problem is hopefully fixed. I think they're all they're all gone. So just the ones in the in the bins now. So that's a good thing. So hopefully it stays like that for a while, but yeah, rodents. Fingers crossed. I mean, they save a ton of money, Fingers but crossed. I don't know. We might have oh, to yeah. we still no, have they're... to debate that one or is it better to buy rodents or I heard Owen, ple- you know, complaining about the cost of rodents on, uh, on oh, carpets yeah. and coffee, o- well, so, yeah. Well, Owen's got to be spending, <laughs> man. Especially with colubrids, man. They eat you out of house and home, right? Yeah, and I mean, it's crazy.
1: He just did a wedding. I know what those cost. <laughs> Jesus, he's yeah, he's the. Uh... <laughs> Probably borrowing money he doesn't have at this point. <laughs> I don't think
0: we'll see him on many herb trips in the near future. But no, yeah. dude, no, he's he's locked down with a rodent bill. <laughs> All right. Well, anything going on in your life in the realm of reptiles? Uh, no. Oh no! I got a, same, I, same, I pulled same. the trigger on a pair of diamond pythons. So. Oh yeah! Should, uh, yeah yeah. Be yeah getting yeah, those yeah. in a couple months when it cools nice. down a bit or warms nice. up a little. Warms up a bit. It's, I, it's already cooled down. I, so yeah, that should be you have fun. Some pictures we'll have
1: or to what, man? I, was, take notes from you. Are they pretty? Are they pretty? Yeah. Typical looking. Uh, pre- pretty typical looking uh, diamonds, or
0: no? The female has some cool striping elements, so that's kind of cool. oh neat. Yeah, nice. Yeah, they're from uh, nice. Terry Terry Burwell. So yeah,
1: yeah. Do, do you know? Do you know what the lineage on those things is? Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> uh,
0: I think it's that Swiss Swiss uh, Swissu where all the Carinata and everything came from. So nice yeah, yeah, through Bushmaster. Yeah, we'll see. How Sweet. <sighs> yeah, I'm still getting a delay uh, from time to time. Like it'll catch up and yeah, then it I starts I, I kind of so. get it too. My computer is. Not working out here, so I don't know. My Is it you? Great. It's you. It's always you. <sighs> anyway, we... would like to take the uh, heat for it. <laughs> you should. I'm sorry, you should I'll stop talking. Heat. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah we we've, we've finally uh, brought another guest in. We've got uh, Billy Sveen. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Sveen? Or
2: close it's sven sven okay it's as if it only has one e yeah yeah it's
0: tricky oh that works yeah um yeah. so billy uh, sent us a message uh with an idea for a show so we're like come on and and uh, talk about it so yeah why don't you introduce yourself kind of tell where you fit into herpt culture and get to know you a little bit <laughs> yeah um
2: yeah so my name billy i've been uh into reptiles ever since I can't really remember. Kind of similar story to everybody. Got my first uh, bearded dragon for my 11th birthday and soon had a room full of geckos uh, in high school. Kind of got rid of everything when I went to college except for my parents kept my bearded dragon, which was amazing. And then kind of a long road of education and postgraduate training stuff, um, moving like every three to four years. And so... Really, just had the bearded dragon until he died and when he was like 14. And then I got, I needed something else, but wanted to do something a little bit less uh, um, needy than a lizard. So I got a ball python because it seemed like an easy thing to do. Um, and I've had that ball python for uh, like eight years now. Um, and then a year and a half ago, finally. Got my, like, adult job and um, bought a house. Have this office that I get to um, do what I want with. And so I'm slowly turning it into a jungle. Um, So I have my first um, tank of um, poison dart frogs. So I have um, the Dendrobates leucomelus, which are the um, black and yellow bumblebee ones. Um, So I have them right here. Um, and then I got a little, uh, Lagodactylus, um, Cameroon dwarf day gecko. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, the poison dart frogs I had for, uh, right about a year. And then that little guy I've only had for a, a month. Um, Very and good. so planning to slowly expand and, and, uh, turn the room into a jungle. So I've been paying attention for like the last almost two decades Um, the first decade it was like Me reading every reptiles magazine article I could find and keeping things in my uh, room as kind of cheaply as I could and then a few years of break and now um, Hopping back in and trying to do things as um, I Don't know like responsibly and thoughtfully as I can
0: nice right on well yeah it's uh, where, where are you uh where are you located
2: uh i'm in minneapolis
0: minnesota okay
1: minnesota yeah. it's cold there true north yeah yeah,
2: yeah. really cold
0: yeah so you know the you know the joys of the cold and snow
2: <laughs> yeah uh-huh <Good>. yeah i've <laughs> already had the snowblower out this year yeah
0: nice don't don't rub it yep. in man nice. I, I bought this house and we bought a snow blower with it and it was only a year old and I cannot get the stupid thing to start we've been here like three oh, winters no. so it's just taking up space it, it well, looks really miserable. good like it's looks brand new but <laughs> for some reason that thing won't start for me I've tried a lot of things but yeah I'm not much of a gearhead, so I, I gotta have somebody smarter than me check it out but <laughs> no that would
2: be me too mine just happens to work <laughs>
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, what what do you do uh, for your job? Um, I'm a
2: pediatrician, and I specialize in um, ICU medicine. Oh,
0: very so nice. So I only
2: work in the ICU. Oh, nice. Um, so, so you're a busy guy. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's really hit and miss. So I have weeks where I work a ton, and yeah. then I have a few weeks where I'm mostly in my office doing research. So I'm in I'm in academic oh, medicine. Cool. So I do. Um, a fair amount of research too. Uh, um, nice, but yeah, it's been a busy fall with uh, viruses. Yeah.
0: Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank goodness, yeah. man. That's my uh, that's that's my job oh security my right there. <laughs> yeah, oh my god! I'm gosh. a virologist, so you know, if I know. there's viro- viruses out there. Then you know, the the NIH is well, going to fund can... for viral work. So. <laughs>
2: Yeah. If you can find a RSV vaccine, yeah. we'd be very, very That pleased. would be
0: nice. Yeah. yeah, we don't do a lot of work with RSV. We do a little bit of in vitro work, yeah. but, yeah, that's not not my specialty. Yeah. But <laughs> I work with all the viruses nobody cares vaccine. about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I,
2: yeah, I looked through some of your stuff oh, on PubMed, yeah. <laughs> to be honest, uh, before doing oh, this. Nice. Uh, looks like some yellow yeah. fever and dengue. yeah.
0: Yellow fever is kind of my yeah. bread and butter. Zika. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's cool. So are you, cool. did you go to the like route, <laughs> yeah, I like yeah. how academics yeah. stalk each other. Yeah, I know
2: it is how we stalk each
0: other. Yeah. Did you go the MDHD so, route or? or?
2: Uh, so I have an MDMA and then mm-hmm. my master's is in bioethics and health policy.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. That's awesome.
2: Um, so I do medical clinical ethics okay. also.
0: Very cool. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, yeah. so
2: it took up a fair amount of time, um, and I was like, Chicago, Minneapolis, Cincinnati, back to Minneapolis, mm-hmm. and so you know all of those steps uh, didn't make sense to acquire more animals. So it was yeah. pretty much just the bearded dragon, and then the one snake, and but now we're now we're here. This is where we're staying for the. <laughs> future
1: are you are you uh interested in more like a Dactylist or what's your
2: yeah um i know you keep the williams eye i do um yeah um the canraui i like the the way they look the, yeah um the, their their body form is like a little bit um i don't know like a little more like swift looking to be yeah. a little more agile. They and I like how uh variable they can be. Um some of them have like those like oscillated patterns and some yeah. of them are really um, almost patternless. Um so I'm excited to see uh what comes of that. Um I'm definitely interested in maybe other Philsuma and maybe other um like gunatodes or spherodactylus. We'll see. I don't know. I'm doing it one step at a time. This is me dipping my toe in the water. Uh, So far,
1: it's fun. Barbonica, Ornata, those are two I I really like in Felsuna. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I've got Barbonica, but I don't have Ornata. Um, But, um, yeah.
2: They're that's out old, there. Beautiful.
1: Yeah. They're yeah. yeah, definitely. Definitely. That's cool. I, you, you just, you know, I, I, I like the like and there's some, they're not very, you know, some of the other species are not, uh, um, re, you know, readily sold, but they're out there. So yeah, that's, that's yeah. cool. That's a good, that's a good, uh, how, how are they? Um, I mean, it's just lightning fast and uh, skittish or what's the, uh, yeah.
2: Yeah. Super bold. And I just have the one, uh-huh. um, it's like three months old. um, and I have it in just like a one gallon, like plastic uh, jar essentially yeah. that I modified. Yeah. Um, actually, I just built this that I'm putting nice. it in. Cool. Yeah. Um, so it's like a little six gallon, it'll be slide opening, um, like front opening. Um, but still a work in progress. But that's what's going to go in as it continues to grow bigger. Um, so it's almost always at the top completely visible and then I open up the lid and it scurries down the, you know, it's like a slanted cork bark is how I have it essentially. And it scurries like halfway down and then you feed it and it runs around and comes right back to the top as soon as I put the container back where it's used to being.
1: Yeah, that's that's sounds pretty. That sounds pretty typical. They're it's, they're interesting, right? They're flighty. They're flighty and kind of nervous, but they're also really like you know curious and and yeah. uh, and like right there. So it's it's kind of a fun. It's kind of a fun yeah. mix. Cool. Well, anyway,
0: it's just yeah. you know, you 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 hit my peak interest button. So for sure, cool. <laughs> Yeah, it's always cool to find uh, kind of those common interests and, and species and things. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah it's, uh, there's a lot of cool reptiles out there, and yeah, I wasn't sure how, how, many, you know how, spe- how many species there are in legodactylus. I'm not fam- a, uh, lot. a lot, okay. yeah, a lot. Yeah, there's a lot. Diverse group. Yeah, I'm not as familiar yeah. with that. They're not Australian, so I. <laughs> I <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. They are kind of
2: throughout all of mm-hmm. Africa. Um, and some of like Madagascar and Seychelles and stuff. Oh, cool. um, like I want to say it's like fifty, seventy-five, something like that. Like okay. a lot. That's
1: cool. Yeah, I think I but think I, you're right, but I don't want to I don't want to uh, misquote myself right here on air and look like an idiot.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of them are pretty brownish. Yeah, yeah, not and not, not then yeah. Th- there's William's eye, like... Pictoratus are prettier Mm. okay and maybe some others
1: yeah 72 72
0: species cool nice okay well so william's eye are maybe the exception exception to the rule i guess they're kind of the exception to a lot of rules with (laughs) yeah i mean there's
1: there's some there's some pretty i mean they, they they do some of them have their moments but yeah by far i would say william's eye is like the yeah, you know, the poster the child, the the, the the sports
2: car. The, yes, the, the sports yeah, car.
0: The F. Model F. <laughs> yes, I
2: do think Conraui yes. with the yellow that goes to like the green to the red. Mm-hmm. Is, yes, is pretty. The males I, are really pretty. Yeah, um, but they're not. There's something about how striking that blue is, like almost yeah. like highlighter blue.
1: But like like Billy said, there's a bunch that are just brown, brown, tiny yeah. geckos, and it's like mm-hmm. oh okay you know nobody cares about brown tiny geckos right yeah. they want they want electric blue and you know they want the volume turned up on everything so anyway i digress
0: <laughs> all right well uh let's let's introduce the topic today so um we're 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 going to discuss the uh legal uh ramifications of different projects in the hobby so as we know, you know, some sometimes things come in under less ethical or less legal routes um, into the hobby, and and a lot of times, you know, it's, it's just kind of simply overwhelms the system, and so they get established, and and then there's a ton of them around, and and they're freely sold, and, and even though maybe technically they, they might be illegal, and um, or or they come through Europe where the countries might have less stringent. Uh, policies on upholding other countries laws or or kind of ignore the the smuggling that may go on in their country and then we can you know sometimes get them from those countries and so um you know we're gonna kind of discuss whether or not (laughs) oh whoa you you okay you got a little cold there chuck but um, yes yes (laughs) it's my rsv <laughs> We're gonna discuss uh you know kind of the the pros and cons of of having that happen in in the hobby or maybe not pros and cons, but <laughs> discuss the two sides of that issue so um this is uh, uh Billy's brainchild, so we'll go ahead and uh, flip to see who gets to debate him, so why don't you call it chuck uh tails it is tails you wanna oh. go for the debate or do you wanna let me do it? <laughs> I'll let
1: you do it. Okay, I'll let you do okay. it. As Sounds long good. as I win the coin toss, you can do the hard work. <laughs> yeah, that's. I know that's. A, is that oh, fair? You won
0: last time, I think too. But is that you, fair? you might be honest. I did. On the street, I did. You know? I'm. I'm on. A, I'm on. I'm on my way back. <laughs> your Christmas. I'm back, baby. Christmas present. Huh?
1: That's right. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Well,
0: Billy, you can uh, call the next one. See what side of the topic you, uh, or see who decides heads. which side. It is heads. <laughs> I'm a double loser this week, so what uh what's I think you your New to?
1: Year's resolution is going to have to be not to lose coin tosses.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll say, I'll, I'll highlight the the downsides of having uh, herps of questionable legality in the hobby.
0: Okay. All right. And then uh, as the coin toss winner, you get to decide if you want to lead out or if you want me to.
1: Yeah, all star. Oh wow! Yeah, I'm I'm <laughs> yeah, right. Anti Chuck.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Chuck always uh, makes me go first if he wins. I so. always make Justin go first. Yeah, yeah. yeah I do. I, I do the same. Yeah, go go for it. Yeah,
2: sure. So, um, with my interest in poison dart frogs, um, they're kind of a, the notable example is Brazil never legally exports anything. anything. Um, so all these CITES two animals never get permits. Um, and so pretty much anything that's exclusively from Brazil has never been legally exported. There are some exceptions and things leak out from zoos and such, but then Brazil says they shouldn't have been leaked out of zoos. Um, and even pretty recently, there's some quite notable examples of like a new locale of a species being found in, like, 2012, and then six months later, it's in Germany. Like, that's the actual (laughs) example. Uh, and, um, And then since that species is established, they can get the export papers to send it to the United States, um, as captive-bred individuals, yeah. and everyone knows that it didn't legally leave Brazil. Um, but you're not going to be able to get in trouble for having it, even if it's technically illegal. I think that's debatable whether it, the the you know le- the technical legality of it. But realistically, you can go into a specialty shop, you can go to a reptile expo, and find all of these frogs, and some of them have been here for decades. And um, I guess I am not going to throw a flag down and say we should get rid of anything that um, didn't have like a perfect permitted process of getting into the hobby. But I do think um, there are ramifications of having animals, um, especially recently, come into the hobby with questionable means when there are other animals that are available to us that are excellent and we could, uh, focus on those instead. Um, instead of, uh, getting a bad rap of, um, being associated with animal smuggling. Yeah. That'll be my opening. argument. No,
0: that's a, that's a very good point. And I, you know, I, I <laughs> It's almost like it's it's kind of too late for that because you know reptile people have been involved with or, or you know loosely associated with or sometimes directly yep. involved with smuggling for decades and decades. We've been <laughs>
1: fucking it up for you know, it's, years. It's, it's hard because
2: uh-huh. <laughs> it's cheaper to be caught and, with uh, a with a snake than with drugs. So yeah, uh-huh.
1: reptiles are a slap on the wrist uh-huh. compared to cocaine. Uh-huh. You know,
0: <laughs> yeah. A lot of a lot of judges, yeah, kind of like, what are you wasting my time with some snake? Who cares? You know that kind of yeah. thing. And and I, you know, to to some extent, I think that's probably true. The the I think the they like to overblow how much of an impact smuggling has, you know, on on mm-hmm. the the wildlife and and things like that. And now. For some, that's probably true. You know, if you have a, a rare animal that's, you know, endangered in the wild and people are taking them out of the wild or, you know, I think a, a much bigger problem is, you know, road deaths or or the native, you know, na- uh, the people of that country using them as a food Habitat source. Habitat like, destruction. Like, yeah, yeah. Habitat destruction; those kind yeah. of things are going to impact wildlife Farming. far more than some, you know, reptile nerd going over and and doing that. And of course, the yeah. the best, you know, the fun funnest joke with smuggling is, you know, what what's the first thing that happens after a new paper comes out about a new reptile species? You know, two Germans buy a plane ticket, <laughs> but um, mm-hmm. so. I love Germany, and I love my German friends, so I'm not going to say too much more about that, but that's kind of the joke, and, you know, there is a little bit of truth to that, and we hear some of those tragic stories, like in uh, um, Stolen World with the Germans that were over in Madagascar and got, you know, or were they German? I think they were German, right? Yeah, and they... Or there was maybe a Frenchman there or something, but anyway, they got, got a couple of them got shot and killed. I mean, that's yeah. that's pretty uh, yeah. serious. Uh, I was not laughing at their misfortune.
1: I would I was hope not,
0: Chuck. It. I would hope you're yeah. not breaking. I, I just that.
1: liked that you threw the Frenchman in there, like, well, we don't want to lump everybody into one category here, <laughs> I, I so remember. let's put it a seemed, Frenchman in with. Them. It
0: seemed like they were, you know, a few different places, but anyway. of, of mixed origins.
1: Yeah. I got you. No, I got you. You're good. <laughs> Yeah, You're
0: good. And you know, I I had a friend that uh, that got caught with some, you know, like well, he got turned in by his ex wife, and, and you know, he's and and he was, I guess, doing it the right way. You know, I I think I really have issue when people just smuggle stuff out just to sell it and make a quick buck. You know, um, he was bringing it in to to establish uh, breeding. Populations, so there would you know never be a need to smuggle anything. I mean, who's gonna smuggle a bearded dragon or a you know a Wheeler eye knobtail gecko? You know, they're they're just like one hundred and fifty dollar, hundred dollar animals, and they're commonly produced, and they're some of the most prolific animals in the hobby. And to say, oh well, you know, they're all legal technically, so we're gonna confiscate everything, and you know, that kind of stuff, and especially where there's kind of some mixed you know history where within you know my lifetime it was legal to import things from from australia and then they changed the laws and and at first the laws were kind of kind of weak and they weren't really enforcing them and so people would go over and bring stuff back all the time and or or just send it over you know and and to an extent that still happens today i mean Anytime there's a new morph project, all of a sudden it shows up either over here or over there, you know, from wherever it came from. And you're like, hmm, they just happened to come up with the same morph, uh, you know, a year later. (laughs) So, hmm. But, uh, so you know, it, it happens. But I think overall, like, you know, I'll use shingleback skinks as an example. I was over in Australia and saw in one, like one mile stretch of road, there were probably 30 Uh, shingleback skink carcasses in that one mile stretch of road you know there's that and granted they probably don't you know deteriorate and and go away very quickly so they've accumulated over the years maybe but still that's a lot of dead animals on a short stretch of road so um we need to you know take take those kind of things with a grain of salt but the same you know i i think if if they're if there's a means to uh, establish populations so there isn't a need to take them out of the wild, I think that's a, a great thing. So that would probably be my, my initial argument that even if it is you know, somewhat technically illegal, I think kind of the end justifies the means and you've got established populations of all these different species that never need to be taken out of the wild again because there's no monetary incentive to do so.
2: Yeah, I think there's clearly a difference between flipping something because it's rare and someone can quickly ship it and sell it versus establishing it. Um, And I mean, it would be ignorant and pretentious of me to suggest all of the established species that we don't know all the origin to, we should question and not continue to perpetuate in the hobby. That would be really pretty silly. Um, And then, so I I think what I'm most interested in uh, are are these ones that are newer, Mm -hmm. where, um, you know, you can get, going back to poison frogs, you can get a frog of pretty much any color of the rainbow, and that call a certain way, look a certain way, behave a certain way, and yet the new one comes up and we want that one. Mm-hmm. Or um yeah, and, and so that mentality does bother me a little bit because I think it can give us as a whole hobby a bad rap in um our ability to turn a blind eye to the situation could imply an incentive for future smuggling is an issue that i have like i agree like the stuff that happened in the 70s 80s 90s like that's in the past those most of those animals are long gone and either their um progeny are all over and we should take advantage of that or they are um you know yeah, or or they never got established.
0: Yeah, I I think one of the gray areas is is when say you know they're they're brought into Germany illegally, but then they're captive bred over there, and the captive bred offspring are sent over here. Um, you know, I I have no problem with that. Now, it might be difficult to determine. You know, this is wild caught or this is captive bred. You know, so there there could be some requirements of like show pictures of of them you know with eggs or with offspring or something like that and you know some of them were pretty obvious that they were trying to just lie and put that they were captive bred but they have like scars and you know things that only they look pretty fresh out of the wild or they're heavily parasitized or something like that you know so there's there's ways i think that they've they kind of push the envelope in that that usually results, and, and I think this is kind of cyclical where, you know, there's there's a big, kind of they get, get a little more lackadaisical about enforcing the laws or, or enforcing what comes in. And then all of a sudden you've got like this huge influx and it includes illegal stuff or, or, you know, questionable things. And then all of a sudden they're like, wait, hold on, you know, let's clamp down again and, you know, tell em, And then nobody's going to risk doing that because they'll have they'll lose their animals they'll lose their money that kind of thing and you know sometimes it's a little sketchy buying from overseas because if they if they screw you over what what are your repercussions you know you're not gonna be able to sue them or something so it's it, they kind of know they have you <laughs> where they want you i guess but so you know there is some risk to that and and i think you know reptile people and money are <laughs> kind of not easily separated and you know but yeah, there friends, is friends. There has been a lot of uh, kind of that swindling mentality that goes along with kind of the smuggling mentality. So you know, you read about Hank Molt and some of that, some of that nonsense. So you know, I think uh, people become less. C- less risk taking when there is kind of those clamp downs. And so I think we yeah. just saw one of those a few years ago, um, with all the uh, gurnia species coming into Europe from Australia, you know, people were smuggling those out pretty fast and furiously. And, you know, the Asian market is really big for, you know, like the shinglebacks and some of the blue tongues. And I remember my first trip to Western Australia, we went out to Rot nest Island and we saw one of the Uh, rottenest island shingleback skinks kind of a subspecies of rugosa and and uh, it was uh really cool i mean they have this kind of greenish color mm-hmm. to them they're really awesome lizards and there's they're supposed to be all over rottenest and we saw one and i was kind of like you know and i didn't spend a lot of time because i thought oh we'll see more of these you know and, and that was the only one we saw so i was i was happy to see one but then um when we got home somebody had been arrested for trying to smuggle like 50 of them that they'd caught in the preceding mm-hmm. weeks and so i'm like no wonder i didn't see any this uh, guy from you know Southeast that asia guy had. ruined it for me <laughs> yeah, exactly he he had them all in his suitcase trying to bring them back to asia or whatever to sell them you know so i i do take issue with that of course because you know if you want to see them in the wild you don't want somebody kind of clear cutting the the forest so to speak and and just taking those out and you know Sometimes I wonder how shinglebacks are so populous over there. Anyway, they're, I mean they're, they're pretty common. Maybe they're just tough and they live a long time or something. But like, it seems like they, you know, they have low fecundity and they take a little while to mature. So it's it's interesting to see the population densities in some of those areas. And over in Australia, they're you know not not the most exciting animal. A lot of people don't really care about keeping them because yeah. they're kind of looked at as the garbage, you know, the cheap species or whatever. So um, you know, but, uh, when they're brought over to the Asian market or U S or Europe or whatever, they command very high prices, you know, over here, you're going to spend 10 grand on a single animal. They're kind of like that bull and I for lizard lovers, I guess. But so, you know, that's, uh, we as, as hurt people, a lot of times we just want what we can't have. And that's kind of like our yeah. dream species. You know, a lot of times are the ones that just are, are not going to be easily to easy to find, and if they are found, they're probably illegal. And yep. I don't know. For me and my collection, I don't want to risk that. So if there is kind of that questionable nature, whether it's legal or not, I would tend to shy away from those things but there's plenty of people that say nah you know it's i'll take the risk i'll i want the glory and and a lot of times they get caught because they post that because they're so excited to have it and they want to share that with everybody right that's usually how they how they get caught but um so that's kind of i kind of think, kind of- <laughs> yeah I kind of think to uh, Ron
1: St. Pierre, who was just on uh, Lizard Brain Radio. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, if you listen to Ron St. Pierre and you've heard Bill talk about Ron, you know, Ron thinks of reptiles as a counterculture and, you know, kind of the, I don't want to say break in the law kind of, you know. But but if you think about it and you think about, um, you know, smuggling and, and and governments and what, what what you know governments do all of these ridiculous things that are capricious and arbitrary and intrusive and ridiculous um and and they do it with wildlife inter- introducing you know non-native wildlife so you know as a counterculture to say no you know what what you do is wrong too we will not follow your stupid rules. Like, is there a place for that? You know, is that a, is that a valid, and is that why maybe, you know, maybe may, maybe wildlife regulators say, yeah, uh, this is, this is kind of tough for us sometimes, you know? What do, what do you guys think? Yeah, I,
0: I think so. I think, I think you're helping I mean, me get back on topic a little bit. So I'll, I'll let, I'll let <laughs> Billy go, but yeah, I've got a few things to say about that.
2: Um, I mean, uh, a, a couple comments um, I completely agree that uh, smuggling and poaching f- on most species is not the main reason for population declines and that habitat destruction is by far in the way the reason um, yeah. that populations are going downhill um, and w- with some exceptions and Poison dart frogs have some of those because some of their localities are so small, so isolated, and so specific that someone going in a few years in a row and finding taking all the calling males really does, like, destroy a population. Yeah. And there are some examples of that. Um, And then uh, you saying the... um, Using some type of sustainable eco-commerce model I think is also very well illustrated in Poison Dart Frogs with two companies in particular that are um, breeding the frogs in their native country and then exporting them. So Wakiri in Ecuador and Tesoros in Colombia. Um, And Tesoros has some pretty interesting data of taking the um... Phyllobates terribilis, the orange one, um, the like the most toxic vertebrate, um, and um, those ones were an example of uh, of some of their locales being um, so heavily poached that there were low numbers, like truly low numbers. Mm-hmm. But they um, now have essentially flooded the market with captive bred ones and are actually using a lot of the proceeds to sustain and prevent habitat destruction Mm -hmm. where the animals are found, um, such that barely any terabilis are taken from the wild anymore, and their native populations are increasing. So that is the type of sustainable... yeah, biocommerce that sure. I would love to see her, percu- her pediculture do more of. The, but exactly what you're saying, Chuck, governments don't cooperate. Mm-hmm. And from what, the little bit I've heard from, um, uh, I don't know these people personally by any means, but uh, Tassaros and Wakiri, huge amounts of risks and paperwork of setting up these facilities, not knowing if the paperwork's gonna go through, not knowing if they're gonna be able to export these hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of live animals in order to make the last five years worth it. Um, and, the, the, you know, at this point, there's no way Brazil's going to do that. Um, and so, yeah, what do you do? Do we do we say no more Brazilian animals should enter the hobby? Um, it's kind of a hard line. Um, yeah. And to, to Chuck's point about maybe we don't want the normies to accept us, (laughs) right? Maybe we don't, maybe we want to stay a counterculture, and, uh, um, you know, there's nothing ethical about obeying a bad law. Mm. And so I've actually had this uh, thought and discussion with some people of, you know, when they discover a new poison dart frog locale, maybe the best thing would be to take 20 pairs, bring them to someone who is very good at breeding them, not release the information for five, two five years with publication of the location of them, and then you flood the market with captive bred individuals at the same time. Mm-hmm that would require huge amounts of coordination or some uh, risky, adventurous explorers shipping the animals to Europe um, illegally and doing it covertly. But we essentially saw that with um, uh, Blue Galactodontus, one of the um, specific poison frogs where there was orange and red ones in the hobby since the nineties. The blue ones were discovered in the early, I think it was like 2012. And within six months they're in Europe. Clearly someone broke the law doing that. But to my knowledge, they're not poached from the wild very often because you can just go get them from uh, hobbyists Yeah.
0: Now. Yeah. And that's always been kind of that, that rationale, you know, is, uh, uh, conservation through propagation i I, th- I hear that you know from tom crutchfield and yeah. people like that where um you know that's kind of the the end justifies the mean argument you know where uh, uh see everything worked out now they're readily available nobody has to take them from the wild so it worked out you know and and granted there are definitely examples where that doesn't work and and where we keep, keep having to bring work. them out and like bolens yeah. or something you know they're not readily available and people still bring them in and you know they're 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 legally imported in a, in a lot of cases and so right um but you know australian stuff yeah i would which, say you know, the, that's the yeah.
2: I would, I would say that, like, those frog um, companies are an example of truly, um, mm-hmm. like, commercialization, like, conservation through commercialization because yeah. they're taking the money and putting it back into yeah. actual conservation mm-hmm. versus, like, you know, I mean, it's, it's mincing terminology, but you're preserving a species in captivity. You're not conserving it. Like, no, none of our animals are going back to the wild. We're not going to rewild our captive animals yeah um you know they're not well and, 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 and you know m- plan.
1: most conservation doesn't want animals they want money so they can do you know whatever Preserve they land. need to do. Yeah, yeah exactly they they, to, they it's not generally necessarily the animals that trying to conserve the animals yes that's the goal but that's not the the means or method that they you know breeding and repop and, and i mean in some cases i suppose but you know, I, I but but
2: yeah, a hundred percent are animals. Usually. Right,
1: right, <laughs> um, yeah. and and just as as a note, um, you know. Uh, Ron Saint Pierre has heavily talked about reptiles being a counterculture, but I in no way am saying that Ron Saint Pierre endorses smuggling as a part of counterculture. Oh, that sure. was that was me kind of drawing that together. So I don't know, you know, Ron can speak for himself, but I didn't. I just didn't want anybody to think Ron had ever said that, and I I had repeated something Ron had
0: said. That's that's you know me putting those things together. So. Just to be clear, good, good catch, good catch, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and you know i I do think there is something to that because you know I've heard stories of people that have been over you know in in the habitat of their favorite animals and seeing locals just murder them, you know, kill them because they're in their, on their property or something. And he's like, well, these people don't care about what's around them. So why should I care about their laws that are, you know, keeping them here and not allowing me to take them home and give them a good home or whatever, you know? So, and and I think again, that's, uh, if there's no legal recourse, of course you're going to, to promote by, by making everything illegal, you're promoting illegal activity in in some way because Absolutely. people are going to want it regardless of if it's legal or not and so they're going to go to great lengths and i mean we we that's that's very obvious and especially if there's money involved if if these animals are in high demand i mean we saw that with rhinos you know there's a couple species that are either functionally extinct or 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 extinct extinct because There's money because some idiot thinks that, you know, ingesting a rhino horn is going to make them more virile. And so, you know, all the efforts to try to save those rhinos and, and, you know, they're still either almost extinct, very, very highly endangered. You know, there's just nowhere to protect all the time unless you're just putting them in a barn. But, you know, I heard some some plan, let's let's move all the rhinos to Texas and just breed the heck out of them in Texas and just let them run wild in Texas. And you're like, well, you know, there may, might be a point to that. But at the same time, as soon as you take them back to their native land, they're going to be shot and, you know, sold off for, for their parts. So um, it's, it's a really a tricky thing because, you know, I, I do think that, that lawmakers can protect an animal to death and i think that's you know the case with a lot of the uh, mammalian uh, mammals in in australia where if if they would allow hobbyists to keep them they would spend their own resources and time and effort to to propagate those animals and then they'd have a have kind of that population of of animals that could be rewilded if their habitat is made safe you know but if you just say nope absolutely not then all the you know ones in the wild are going to get picked off by cats or some other introduced predator and then they're extinct you know and then what what good do you have there's no options really you know and and conserving and, and a if, species in the zoos and things is extremely expensive i was reading a study where they yeah, tried yes. to conserve what the christmas island geckos and and i heard i heard somebody interview about that you know on um one of the podcasts and he was saying it, it was you know several million dollars to protect and conserve this this tiny little gecko or or skink or whatever and you know it's like can you put a price on a species i don't i don't think so i think it's probably money well spent but at the same time do we have the resources to do that for everything and the answer is probably no so are there other ways to do it Probably, <laughs> we could have we could have handed out Cialis and saved the white rhino. <laughs> yeah, I, I did like.
2: Yeah, that. I think buck for buck, just preserving land and pouring money into the local economy so that they don't need to strip the land of its resources. Um, and we could get all kinds of um, political about global warming and the things that developed countries are doing to, you know, like we have stripped our land and incentivized the deforestation of other people's land and now we're telling them to stop
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: without helping them or, you know, we are, but like not nearly to the extent that, you know, we're still keeping, we're still widening the gap of um, achievement of what we're able to do Mm -hmm. and so, like, I'm, you know, I don't Blame those people uh, by any means. Like, I, um, when I was in college, studied ecology down in Ecuador for um, not long, just like a month. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, seeing their banana plantations and their rose plantations um, was re- really quite sad and re- mm-hmm. really still sticks with me. But then you come back to the United States and realize that's most of our country. <laughs> Yeah. We've yeah. <laughs> wiped out uh, the the native landscape and yeah. altered it to fit our means. Um, yeah, yeah, I think um, there's a bit of a, a, a double standard. Mm-hmm there um it's it's
1: hard to be the villain and the savior in the same story right you know exactly
0: i I do like you know having returned from costa rica they've set up a pretty good program over there in in regards i mean i think i i read it was over 70 percent of their land is preserved and and protected for you know for wildlife and for you know to to keep it um, wild forests and stuff and and they 're even rewilding some areas to to turn them back into primary forest and or you know let the secondary forest fill in or whatever to yeah. to allow you know wildlife to to live there and and i think uh what a, what a great model! It's it's interesting to see yes. you know different different countries taking different approaches, and I really like that idea of you know setting up those dart frog farms, you know, and seeing seeing that contribute mm-hmm. to, to uh, and and I think along the same lines as if, if they can, you know, promote uh, tourism or you know like yeah, I think
2: and local exactly. jobs exactly. I
0: think more, more reptile people need to you know spend that money. On that latest morph, buy a plane ticket instead and go see the animals you keep in a box in their native habitat. And and you'll care about them more. You'll be more excited about the animals that you have, you know, because you see them in the wild. I don't know. There's just something about seeing them in their native environment that... Makes you appreciate them more and and care less Absolutely. about if they're a morph or not, you know, and just care about that animal and and what it's doing in in the wild and and wanting to see that in your own herp room. Now, I think that going, kind of goes hand in hand with with conservation to some extent because if you're there um, spending money in their country and and going out into the wild and seeing stuff in the wild and you know supporting local economies out there they're going to be more interested, you know, if they have all these snake people, you know, in, in their area saying, what are you here for? Oh, we're here to find snakes. Oh, well, maybe I'm going to stop killing snakes because people come looking for snakes buy a, you know, a beer in my pub or whatever, you know, and they're, they're promoting the local economy in this little out of the, you know, outback town or something. So, you know, there, there could be, you know, simple ramifications for us Wanting to to go see them in the wild, you know that can that can promote uh, their their uh, persistence in that area. Um, I, You know, I don't think just just having them in a box is, is all that fulfilling. And usually, when you get a, a new or, or even a rare species, after a few months, you're like, okay, what's next? You know, what don't I have now? Yeah. What, you know, what's the next big goal on the, on the list? So I, I think I'm I'm kind of arguing your side here, and you know that, yeah, but. No. But I, yeah, I think, you know, going. that's uh, that's something to think about, you know. Um, but, you know, by the same yeah, token, think, you know, we, we do care. It, it kind of feeds on itself because if we do keep them here, then that will make us more interested in, in their native habitat. And so it can promote that tourism. So I think it works for, for both sides.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I agree. But I do think the idea of we need to think about... Like in her pediculture we need to think about the way we're keeping our animals more broadly, instead of just, um, I want two of everything, breed it one or two times, sell those, make some money, get new projects in, you know, like instead of that hedonic treadmill, which in then as a whole group looks like how do we keep getting more different species in mm-hmm instead of thinking about all the species that we have available that if we don't focus on won't be here in ten years mm-hmm. or all the species that we can legally get from other places and establish um, instead of um, yeah, focusing on trying to get something that's of questionable background not not to say that like, the laws of Australia or Brazil are sacrosanct Mm -hmm. and that I like them or think that they're good, but, um, why tarnish our reputation further?
1: But I guess, I, I, guess, you know, like you said, the idea of eco commerce and, and, and having an Aussie who can go ahead and, and set up a breeding facility, get sanctioned by the government, uh, breed, uh, you know, take and, and, Get legal expert permits out of Australia, send them to the United States. A portion of that you know money the the guy the the breeder keeps, and then a portion of that goes to the to the government so that they can put it into a fund for wildlife yeah. or whatever like if that if that's really their concern if that's really their, we want to protect wildlife well what is just saying no on its face? how does that yeah. protect wildlife? I, I, mean, I you know it doesn't I, that, make
2: any sense yeah, that and, Australia doesn't let. Things that have been captive bred for generations, not leave yep. the yeah. continent.
1: And I think that's where everybody struggles. Absolutely. I think that's where everybody
2: says, Same. you know,
1: fuck it. I'll smuggle because this doesn't make any fucking yeah. sense,
2: right? And I mean, Brazil, under their last leadership, and maybe things will change, burned historic mm-hmm. amounts of the rainforest, yeah. of the mm-hmm. Amazon. And while saying you can't take our animals because how dare you? Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Um, our, uh, national jewels. Um,
0: while they roast on an open fire. So get bulldozed. Exactly.
2: (laughs) And so I, 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 yeah, I don't know. Um, Hmm. to me, for me personally, um, instead of getting, mad and upset about that I would rather support some people that I know are doing a great yeah. job. Yeah.
0: yeah.
2: And maybe that's not always an option,
0: right? Well I think that's the only option we have in a lot of cases is is putting our money where our mouth is, you know, putting our money where our beliefs are. If you think that this is an important thing, buy the stuff that's legal. You know, support the legal yep. trade. Now the the other the other tricky thing is is like the legal trade kind of prevents us from establishing I mean not prevents but it makes it very difficult I mean how do you how do you justify setting up a group of savannah monitors and breeding them and spending all the money and resources that it takes to breed a savannah monitor only to compete with30 dollars imports you know or10 dollar imports or how yeah. much a savannah monitor costs and so you know the the I guess the import, trade it's it's almost like a separate entity in a lot of cases because yeah it kind of prevents us from conserving those species through captive propagation or, or making you know those uh Captive offspring available, and that, that that's kind of a tricky thing. And so, I think a lot of times we focus yeah. on the stuff that we can't have because there is money to be made in that area. And uh, you know, unfortunately, right. you know, everybody's got it in their mind that if you're a reptile breeder, you got to be you know rolling in the dough. or <laughs> You're not successful, or you're not doing it. Right. Yeah,
2: I don't know. well, can just I, be not the red.
0: I have a
1: coworker who who was really into blue tree monitors, right? And I. Uh, I had seen Joey had put one of his captive bred uh, tree monitors up, and I, I I sent her the link, and she was just like, "Oh my gosh!" Because it was like you know you wanted like three grand or something for it, and uh, which is pretty much going rate for, for captive bred tree monitors. Uh, but she was just like, oh, my gosh, this is so much more expensive than I remember seeing them at Triple L for. And I'm like, oh, yeah, well, they're captive bred. And, you know, I, I was showing her different stuff, like, oh, you check these out, check this out. And she was all like, man, everything here is so much more expensive than I'm used to. So it kind of, like, reinforced my whole idea that there's just this, is like, this too, it's like a static, you know, it's it's a status, uh, out set of reptiles. You have your cheap imports, which are affordable for giving the 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 you know the the non highbrow money you know mm-hmm. pinky up people a chance to work with these animals, and then you have the captive bred you know really you know top. Top end animals that you know you'll have to pay an arm and a leg for, and you'll have to be a real reptile person for that or something, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think Boland's pythons fall into that category too. But you know, I just I th- I think I don't know. I digress, and we're we're kind of off topic, but um, you know, it's just re- uh, I, I think imports are a really tough nut to crack, mm-hmm. really tough nut yeah. to
2: crack. And I think some of it is the this- The species that you're importing, too, right? So, like, with the savannah monitor example, they're massive, and it's hard to convince someone to care for them appropriately, let alone people to be breeding ten pairs Mm -hmm. and then finding appropriate homes to then establish them, versus... um, Poison dart frogs. I'm going to go back to the example that I know. Um, they are almost all CITES too, and so there's a controlled import and export of them, mm-hmm. and um, they're pretty easy to breed. If you, you know, I have mine in like a custom. It's forty gallons, but it's like pretty vertical, mm-hmm. um, and that's big. That's huge yeah. for them, yeah. um, and so you're establishing a different market um mm-hmm. and so um i mean i don't know how much like with those orange blackfoot terrabilis. um i think those were like a few hundred when they were first coming in and now they're about half that yeah. and people buy yeah. them
0: mm-hmm.
2: and it, it worked you know for that and, and it's a model that seems to work well for frogs i know tesoros just announced um A few other species that they're planning, that they've already, I think they've already started breeding them in their facility, and then they're planning on releasing them in the next like one to two years, something Mm -hmm. like that timeline. And uh, people are going to be spending a lot of money on that, and they're going to be happy to. And then five, ten years later, it's going to be half a third or whatever for other people to get.
0: Yeah. Yeah, From local I breeders. think another uh, difficult one are, are the tortoises where, you know, for for example, the yes. radiated tortoises where they made that huge bust and there were, what, 10,000 radiated tortoises in a building that were kind of languishing and almost dying. I mean, I almost think they should have taken those 10,000, you know, got, the, got them cleaned up or whatever and just flooded the market, you know, sold them you know yeah. <laughs> it yeah. just just yeah. flooded the market so they weren't worth a ton but then you know some hopefully somebody could get them but then again you know if you do that then they become a trash species and then people don't care as much or whatever i don't know you know there it's such a i just a don't know how problem. you get
1: 10,000 i don't know how you get 10,000 yeah, so of anything horrible. in a building yeah. and not be like i'm a fucking horrible human being for well, this. well no they you know they, they were mean? they like, were in the
0: illegal trade that was that they busted them they were they were going to sell them overseas or something like that they were this was a holding facility until they could get them out of the country so, I mean, this was a local uh, person or, or somebody associated with some kind of smuggling thing getting caught with 10,000 animals in their house, you know. I'm not sure I retract my statement. Yeah. yeah I mean, no, it's a bad thing. And, and most of them had to be <laughs> euthanized because yeah, they were in terrible shape. Yeah. So exactly i I don't know but yeah that's gross but i mean you've got like places like the the tortoise concert the uh, Durrell tortoise trust or you know things like the the tortoise conservation institutes kind of these private things that are doing really good work and helping to um you know conserve some of these species and then you have people breaking into these places and stealing some of their offspring and stuff and it's like well you know if 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 some, like you said, some were made available, and and the money that was used, sold, you know, used or gained from selling those animals was put back into conservation or buying land or you know protecting them some way in Madagascar. Um, you know, there, there is a, there is an avenue there. And I think, you know, these, these places that you're talking about with the dart frogs is they gain a better reputation. Maybe someday Brazil says, Oh, these guys are doing it right. We can send frogs to them and let them captive breed them and sell them, you know, and then, then we don't have to worry about people smuggling them out of, out of Brazil and coming in, you know, and ruining populations in Brazil. And so that takes a lot of cooperation and a lot of, it I mean, does. it's, it's almost faster and easier and cheaper if, the, if the smugglers just so take, take care of it. And mm-hmm. I mean, I
2: it definitely, is. yeah,
0: I had somebody, uh, cause I, I bought some, um, riverine leaf geckos and they were probably the most commonly available leaf tail gecko at the show when, when I got mine. And and I had some of my Australian friends like, oh, well, wow, I'm glad you guys have those there because they're illegal to keep here. And I'm like, well, nobody's ever going to smuggle them again because they're very commonly available here and they're very easy to breed. So there's no reason wow. for it, you know, but they can't even have them over there. And, you know, these... These uh, wow. leaftail geckos are kind of like island species, you know. They're just in sm- very small ranges at the top oh, of sure. a mountain or something, you know. And so, it, but I, I mean, I see them, you know. There, there's, there's probably fifty at the Tinley show, and I'm like, how is this a bad thing? You know, it's like, yeah, they yeah. were smuggled, but now nobody's ever going to need to smuggle those again. So I did get some of those, um, you know. And, and so, I guess technically those would be illegal. But they're captive bred. They're healthy. They're, they yep. do great. And you know, what, how do you yep. argue against that? It's really a tricky thing.
2: <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I mean, I can go down to the uh, specialty shop, the specialty pet store that I think is like a high reputation place, and get dart frogs that are from Brazil that are you know have been here for three decades. So mm-hmm. they're you know F ten. Something, yeah. you know, uh, <laughs> but they're technically not legal, but anyone can walk in and buy them. They're not, like, behind a counter or you ask somebody, yeah, yeah. right? Well, it, you, and the, like People don't even know. Yeah.
1: Isn't that Probably kind of where like, the whole, like, what's legal and what's not legal gets so funny that it's kind of like, all does, right, wh-
2: yeah.
1: when when do we draw the line of this isn't okay and this is okay? Yeah. Like,
2: And you I know, think that is where it gets silly. Yeah. yeah. What bothers me is the... The chase for something new without thinking about yeah. it.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: And I think if someone was really thinking about it, and um, I I mean, I know, uh, like, Philippe de Vojelais has talked about, like, from the few, you get many, right, to establish a cattle population. And again, I'm not saying he would condone... Smuggling, yeah. Smuggling animals just like uh, Ron St. Pierre. But that idea that we've been talking about, you grab a couple, and you can never have to grab them again. Yeah. Um, I just think often the people that are doing the grabbing aren't interested in yeah. that. Right, yeah. right, right. Um, I read an interesting book that had nothing to do with herpeticulture initially, but um, had to do with Australian biocommerce that I thought was interesting, where they were talking about um, Nile crocodile, not Nile crocodiles, Saltwaters. whoa, yeah. saltwater crocodiles, and... Um, the, the skin mm. trade in the leather industry mm. and how they initially, like, didn't let them trade them at all, um, and it became a big problem because they were, like, overrunning places, and now they have, like, a controlled harvest, like like a lot of hunting and stuff, but it was yeah. Yeah. more dramatic because they're massive, yeah. uh, dangerous animals. Um, and it gave me, uh, uh, I just looked it up. It was monster of God. It's Mm -hmm. about, um, animals that eat humans. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it was like focusing, there was a section on, uh, tigers and lions and, uh, big bears. If you say bears, I'm going to say, Oh my, (laughs) I know. Um, and then, uh, crocodiles. (laughs) Um, Sorry. No, for sure. Um, but, yeah, the in the Australia section of it, where they are talking about these crocodiles, they were talking about how, essentially, Australia saying you can kill some of them has saved them. Mm-hmm. And um, has also saved the economy by aligning the incentives for the local people to farm them and harvest them. Like, essentially, like, raise babies, release them, keep the population going, don't kill the biggest one, kill sub-adults, and and have a a harvest in that way. And I was just thinking, well, if they can arrange that, they should be able to export some... (laughs) some third-generation bearded dragons and carpet pythons. Um, But... (laughs) I don't know. It's the, clearly not the same people thinking about the problem.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I kind of want to yeah. go back a little bit to to Chuck's statement about kind yeah. of counterculture, and uh, you know, some of these laws, especially you know, I've seen Australians that are that are flagrantly you know breaking the laws, smuggling stuff in and out, um, doing all sorts of illegal activities, and they get a slap on the wrist. You know, basically, they're making probably. Fifty, sixty thousand dollars 60000 off of this bearded dragon morph that they smuggled in, but then they get a $5,000 fine, you know, and they get like told not to breed for a couple of years or something. And, and it's like, Oh no, you know, I 10% of my profits have to go to, you know, paying the judge. I just see that as like, what's the incentive not to do it because you're still making yeah. a lot of money and and being able to just kind of yeah here's your fine take it you know <laughs> here's a little extra for yourself kind of attitude about it and i think that kind of counterculture attitude of like well, yeah i can break the law and it's i just get a slap on the wrist so what's the big deal you know i'm going to do it again and and there are definitely repeat offenders that just keep doing it they don't care what the what their you know punishments are <laughs> what the law says or whatever and and so you know i i think that kind of goes hand in hand. If you're if you're not able to enforce a law, why why make the law? If you're not able to, you know, have have a reasonable outcome for these laws, and so I think a lot of these laws are seen as jokes or or something like that yes. doesn't matter. And so, you know, like you said before, what's what's the benefit of upholding a stupid law? You know, that, that makes no difference. You know, so I think that that probably plays into a lot of the mentality of these these smuggling uh, episodes you know where i think you know there can be a lot of people like some of my friends that were like oh you have this illegal leaf gecko and we can't get them over here how dare you smuggle our wildlife it's like well it was probably one of your own that smuggled it out and sent it you know overseas or something like that or or whatever but you know it's it's hard to hard to track that and see where they came from and and they probably made it over to europe first so they didn't care or they went out and collected it or something but i've heard it's pretty difficult to get to the habitat of the riverine leaf gecko so whoever did it probably ex- expended some effort to do so <laughs> but anyway it's uh, whether it's whether it's right or wrong i mean the outcome is almost inarguable and and the fact that these laws are, they don't really punish their own people for breaking the law. So why should they expect, you know, foreigners to be punished any worse? I don't know. It's, it's an interesting thing. And if, if it's funny how they also will allow the export of fish and spiders, but they draw the line at reptiles for some reason, or, you know, birds, they have all these cockatoos that are devastating fields and the farmers hate them and shoot them and stuff. And then, um, people over here pay a couple grand for one you know it's like hmm i see a solution to your problem of too many cockatoos you know right. send some over here or, or whatever so yeah. Uh, it's, it's yeah no i fun, think a fun problem uh
2: so often the laws are misaligned mm. with our incentives but if we can align them I think that's a better solution. Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. So, like, it, it, you know, if a government agency is well aligned with the hobby, is well aligned with the economic incentives, mm-hmm. that's when things work smoothly. Mm-hmm. And so I, I tend to agree with you on a lot of your points, um, and I'm not, like, a hardliner on a lot of this, but... Um, to say that we should there you know since some of the governments don't make sense, we should burn it all down, I think instead it's like how do you continue to support the ones that are doing it right mm-hmm. so that playing a long game, hopefully more people come around yeah. while still not trashing the species that have been established by whatever means. Yeah
0: they have that's yeah here. that's definitely true and I, of course i'm playing devil's advocate you know i, I agree uh, with my yes. friends in australia they should we shouldn't be yeah. <laughs> smuggling their leaf tail geckos over to here and, and they're completely right to say hey wait a second you know why do you have this thing that we can't even have you know i i agree with that that's a yeah. that's a frustration and yeah. it's not not a good thing um, yeah, so I'm I'm definitely playing devil's advocate, and I and I do agree sure. that playing that long game and working with governments is is much preferable to you know supporting any kind of smuggling or, or illegal activity. Um, but when mm-hmm. there's no option, it's it's hard to hard to complain. You know what I mean? Like that's the only option yep. that's left. Is and especially when they're already yeah. here.
2: Yeah, and
1: I think I think most people say, "Look, man, we can do this the easy way, or we can do this the hard way." But we're doing yep. this, right? Yep. That's I mean, that's that's kind of the 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 issue, and and I think you know it, it's. It's it's when you can, and this is just my opinion, but I, you know, smaller governments uh, that that have you know an ability to enact something that works are a great model uh, for other governments to look to. So it's kind of like if you know if you can do something like that, and and then get other gov you know, it's just like it's just like zoos don't listen to herpetoculturists, right? They listen to other zoos. So if the zoo mm-hmm you know does something that champions something really great then all of a sudden all the zoos want to do it right and it's oh this is working really well for us mm-hmm. it makes you know it makes money it takes it back into the economy for for wildlife and and it allows you know um it you know it cuts down on smuggling it does you know it it l- provides legal means of exportation so that you know so we can we have control of that, and and it, it takes away, it disincentivizes smuggling. Like I think governments would do that if they saw a a, a working model that that would, um, you know, th- that that they could be shown. But you know, most of the time, being a government employee, no is the easiest thing to say, absolutely, uh, because it's
2: the mm-hmm.
0: status quo. Yep, yep. yep.
2: absolutely.
0: Yeah, that's uh, there's there's definitely no easy answer and I think we've we've brought up some nah. great points, you know, and and this has been a really productive and good good discussion. So I p- really appreciate you you bringing this, you know, on the show and and coming on and and uh putting up a really nice fight on for for your side and I think um you know, it's I I would I would love to see more, you know, legal channels to, to do this the right way. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't know that, you know, this discussion is going to have any impact on that, but, you know, hopefully somebody can listen and, and maybe be in a position to do things. And I, I do think, you know, it's, it's a lot of times, it's hard to get uh, buy-in from institutions like zoos because they've had such a, a spotted pass in regards to getting animals from smuggling yeah. efforts. And so they want to avoid any yeah. of that kind of black eye, and they're very you know tightly scrutinized where their animals go where they come from and so it's it's really disappointing because they could play a huge role in this because they have the facilities the know-how the expertise to do it and you know it's it, it's almost like that bridge got burned down a while ago now there are some institutions some zoos that are a little more um, willing to, to work with hobbyists and, and uh, especially those that have good reputations or have been around for a while, you know, um, that do things the right way or, or and you know, nonprofit organizations that, that contribute yeah. to conservation or, uh, and sometimes can, you know, breed and sell offspring and, and things like that. So yeah, I, I do think there is a, a good middle ground and, and I would hope that any, But he's setting up something like this would have all aspects of this in mind, you know help help yep. the help the trade you know help the herpeto herpetoculture aspect of this because they're going to be your biggest fans and biggest supporters if you know if you keep them in mind keep the zoos in mind help them show a good face of conservation keep the governments in mind help them make money to support you know protection of wild lands <laughs> there's there's a lot of good yeah. that can come from these things and i think you know if somebody said hey you know this animal is going to cost twice as much, um, but just know that half the money is going to preserve their natural habitat. I think a lot of people would be like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm on board with that. That sounds good. I would do that. Yeah. I would yeah, do especially that. Especially if I would if, do that. If, if it means you don't have to purchase a smuggled animal or or offspring of a it, smuggled it, animal. It. You can purchase from you know a, a legitimately set up institution that's in the country that, if it gave
1: know. me the opportunity to turn around and breed it and sell it yeah, yeah. and and recoup some yeah. of my money not worry that about getting i went confiscated to, you know or, yeah 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 yeah, yeah. That, that, that i mean i i i think that would fly and i i frankly i think that you know We look at smugglers and people who, you know, do it the wrong way and and we we say, oh, it's an unfixable problem. But I think if you were to give people a model that that was, you know, ecologically responsible and beneficial to all parties involved, they would participate. Mm -hmm. I I think that, you know, this idea that, you know, people are don't at heart want to do the right thing is just on its face flat wrong. Yeah. I mean, you will have those people, sure. but by and large it's not been my experience. So
2: you got to align the aligned incentives. Mm-hmm. From yeah, all absolutely. the parties. Any kind of uh final thoughts? I mean, I think we've said uh said a lot of them. So yeah, I, I mean, I would say so much of life in general is all shades of gray, and so um, this is another one of those. But I think the more we can think big picture, focus on um, supporting the people who are doing the absolute best, and um, focus on preserving the animals that we already have established, is probably a better route for the, for the long term for the hobby. Yeah.
1: Here, also. here. I agree with that. Well, and thank you
2: so much uh, I, for letting me come on and uh, inviting me onto your podcast. This has been no, a lot of fun. this
1: has been awesome, man. We'll have you back. We'll
0: have you back. That sounds fun. Yeah, yeah. This was really fun. Really fun. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Um, we, we kind of wanted to to start a, a little bit of a new segment here, and you know, I can't. I think we've kind of done this on past episodes, but kind of talk about some you know things we've learned in the last uh week or or cool things we've seen in you know herpetological news or or herpetoculture um and just kind of share those things uh i don't know what you got anything for us chuck you hear anything good this this week or
1: um i heard that you don't like slayer uh, which I know you need to address um, But yeah, no uh, So I, I alluded to it earlier But uh, Ron St. Pierre was on Lizard Brain Radio And if you guys have not caught that uh, Go over and check that episode out uh, Ron and uh, Bill are two of my favorite people uh, I value both of their experience And just insight and, and uh you know their their contribution to herpetoculture so um I, I found that really interesting i um i enjoyed listening to ron you know he he kind of went in depth and and you know you 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 really i i don't think i've ever heard ron talk that personally um about you know some of his struggles and how not easy you know how not easy and 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 how much a, he does it for the love, you know, he, he really, you know, he, 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 you know, it's not a, it's, I mean, I, I hope, I hope that in his coming projects, he, he takes the money because he deserves it because he's done so much. In helping you know herpetoculture get to where it is today, uh, that I that I want to see him prosper for that. So mm-hmm. yeah,
0: I just I, I, you you catch that episode or yeah. oh yeah yeah I listened to it and I <laughs> and I'm like sitting there going wait a second I think Bill you're remembering the story wrong. So I did I did go to a Slayer concert and you know because I carry uh, Kings into carpet pythons but I I did go to the concert and I stayed for the whole thing and hung out with him after the show after and you know was just amazed at his skill and playing prowess i mean it was really fun to watch him now, I, I will admit that Slayer's not necessarily the music for me. I, I do like some good hard rock, but, you know, I don't include Slayer in my playing routine. I know Chuck is a big fan, and, and I'm a big fan of Kerry. He's a yeah. great guy and just yeah. really a cool guy. I'm so, a fan of Kerry. So, yeah, as well. Yeah, he's he's treated me and Heidi and, you know, treated us very well and just a really great guy. Yeah. So, um, he, yeah, he, he gave me tickets to a concert when they came out to Salt Lake, and so I went out and watched him and, awesome. and brought my cousin and stuff like that. So it was a lot of fun.
1: I don't care who you are. If you have the opportunity to sit and watch a Slayer show, you have to take that in because Because that is a thing. That is a thing. Yeah. Right. Especially if you can see it
0: for free. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I do admit I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a little more, I guess clean cut than some some of the guys in the hobby and and I, I actually gave Ron a call today after I finished the episode because you were <laughs> like hold wait up a, a minute second. I got to clear the air here. no but I'm, I was really excited like listening I, I got some ideas for shows and and Ron said he'd come back on and talk about him you know so we'll have to I, cool yeah he's 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 a great guest and and just a great guy I mean mm-hmm. he's one of the few that you know he he'll go on podcasts you know and he'll talk to you you mm-hmm. can call him on the phone and he'll yep. pick up and answer you know he's he's just down to earth he's he's uh been around for forever and he he knows this hobby inside and out i mean how many species And, and I feel did he like grab? I get a real
1: sense yeah. I get a real sense of history yeah. of where you know when Ron was a young guy how the hobby was uh-huh. you know what like what was going on and you, you you really get that that kind of visceral feel of like where the hobby was when kind of Ron talks you know stories and reminisces so yeah. it's 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 always fun to listen to 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 him talk about that stuff and you know my my thing is is Always hanging out with the old timer, you know, herp guys because they they've got the best stories and and you know it's just so interesting to hear the evolution that to, to, that got us. I think people take so much for granted um, yeah. that we have today, and you know, um, and and you know it's just cool to hear stories about guys like Burt Langworth and you know, like just yeah, you, know, you, you meet people who know all these people who you idolized, and then you're like, holy shit. These are, like, really people who were, like, not that long ago all hung out and did reptiles together, and then I came along. You know what I mean? I don't – maybe that sounds silly, but, um, yeah, it's just a a cool – you know, I I just – I don't know. I I love listening to – and, and, you know, Bill does such a good job in his interviews and giving – just really, really kind of picks apart a question and asks very focused questions to get – at some of the 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 really interesting kind of why why do you do what you do and how do you do that and and what was the rationale from that and you know where do you see that going and all the minutiae of 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 uh question asking to really get it some you know some interesting
0: answers yeah yeah that was uh that was a really uh so again that's lizard brain radio uh so yep. uh, check that check out. out yeah he's he's done some really good shows chuck was on one of not not too long ago. I, i've been little, i have i yep yeah and hussam yeah. i listened to hussam's episode that hussam was, did a great yeah. yeah that was great hussam's was a great cool guy yeah and he he's, yeah. he's, he's yeah. done some really good stuff and perp culture as well so i you know lizard brain radio is a, a great podcast and then um i was actually on uh animals at home network the uh herpetoculture project herpetoculture and that's oh okay yeah, 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 phil yeah. Eats and I Roy see- arthur blodgett yep. uh another nice. really really great podcast and i you know i really like the animals at home network i was trying forever to find the, <laughs> the podcast and because i i knew phil was doing a podcast and so i'm like looking for it and trying to search project herpetoculture and it kept bringing up animals at home in my search and i'm like You're like, why why is this? And then I'm like, oh, I just have to look a little closer. So. Yeah, I, I my interview just came out, so shameless plug. If you want to listen, maybe to... <laughs> maybe everybody who wants to listen to Right Reptile Fight Club keeps finding NPR and is like, "This is
1: not what you I asked for." You I don't. You
0: know. <laughs> hopefully, you found us and you're you're here. But yeah, it's it's a... and hopefully you love NPR as yeah, well. Yeah. So and and I mean, Animals at Home had some really great interviews. I uh, they they uh, they do a, a great job too. So I mean, it's. It's, uh, that, that network's a, another good one you know, not, to, not to detract mm-hmm. from the um, NPR uh, family but <laughs> the, they're worth your time to listen to the Project Herptoculture guys as well as the um, uh, Animals at Home uh, podcast as well and, I mean, uh, the, the Project Herpeticulture has just started. I mean, they had Frank on there, Frank Payne. Uh, I listened to his episode. Mm-hmm. and It was really good. He, I mean, he always makes me think. And I really like some of his, his insights. We probably ought to have him back on again get some get some more discussion. Every time I listen to one of these, I, I get the wheels churning about, you know, different topics for episodes. And then, yeah. Um, but, yeah, they had uh, Philippe on there. They interviewed Philippe on the Project Herpeticulture. He was one of their earliest... Interviews. I think uh, yeah, episode yeah, number eleven yeah. was Philippe, and I mean it's it's always nice to listen to the kind of that uh, the the Godfather of herpetoculture. <laughs> he, he may have even I don't know if he coined the term, but he definitely popularized it. If he didn't uh, come up with it, so another uh, just pioneer in, in herpetoculture that's willing to come on podcasts and chat with people. It's uh, what a wealth of yeah. information. So that's another one to check out. you got anything you're listening to billy or reading or anything
2: i've actually listened to all of (laughs) those uh pretty much in this past week um yeah i am i love project herpeticulture um uh and shameless plug i'm on one of those episodes um so that's been fun too um but and uh yeah animals at home network i think is um doing an amazing job um um, I also really enjoy amphibicast which is uh, the other side of her pediculture with the amphibians instead of the reptiles yeah. um, so the the are friends with permeable skin um, but um, I think Dan does a great job of um, he talks with not only hobbyists but also conservationists and um, scientists, too, and so um, those have been a lot of fun to listen. But I, um, yeah, I completely agree with the other things that you've been saying. And I've been reading um, what book is it? The uh, Marco Shea's like all of the um, oh, uh, families of lizards, oh, or yeah, yeah. uh, I'm getting to yeah. mix up the taxonomy, lizards but the it's world. so much fun yeah. to flip through the, the yeah. lizards of the world. Yeah, yeah it's it. like the follow up of it. the snakes of the world yeah. one. Um, It's so much fun.
0: I, I think I preferred the snakes one a little. I think he's a snake guy, and so the snake one was a little more yeah. detailed, a little more thorough. And the lizard one, I was like, ah, oh, it, was, it was a little bit of a, a letdown compared to the snake. Yeah,
2: one. it would. You know, I, I like cool to have. I like the lizards and how um, like some of the snake stuff. I felt like when you're narrowing down to species by species, then it got a little repetitive and superficial. The lizard stuff, like, every sentence I feel like is amazing, but I wish it was more. Like, I wish, Mm -hmm. um, like, maybe not, like, this is going to be my bias, but, like, maybe not on all of, like, the slow worms you go down to the genus level, but maybe for, like, all of the geckos and all of the agamids and all of the varanids, you you know, you you go, I guess varanids are genus, but you go down to, like, that genus level more or something, um, But yeah, uh, I I think it's a lot of fun. I'm definitely a little bit more of a lizard person than a snake person personally.
0: (laughs) That's cool. cool. Yeah. There's there's a lot of good content out there. It's it's really yeah. hard to to catch it all, but yeah, I I uh I just have an excitement for all the different kinds. You know, I you know, I didn't really realize there was I should have known, but I haven't gotten into any of the amphibian podcasts, but that sounds like it'd be fun to to listen to. We saw a few different species of uh the poison arrow frogs on our costa rica trip so i you know and i, I nice. kept uh tinks for a while back in the day and had a, a pair yeah. of those and produced quite a few little froglets and stuff they were a lot of fun and just shocked to realize that, that dart frogs can live for 20 30 years it's pretty insane and uh yeah kept those for quite it's a while it's all in the so
2: setup they're not actually that hard to take yeah. care of if you get it set up as, right. as
0: long as you don't let your fruit fly cultures <laughs> go downhill which yeah that was part of my problem with some of the times you know and then uh, uh but yeah they're they're a lot of fun and i, I loved seeing them in the wild that was really exciting yeah. to see
2: L- a fog were the the one that you were we seeing saw
0: some, uh, we saw some we saw let's see I'm, I'm i'm not too great on the the scientific Sorry. names but yeah, yeah the the uh, red and black or the red and blue the blue jeans uh, yeah like the blue jeans yeah, yeah. yeah what are the what's the scientific name i just get them confused Pumilio? so those are yeah. the Ophago, okay. and then we saw yeah. the gofoul Duce. I think, I think some people do debate
2: whether those are different species same with like azurius whether it's part yeah. of tintorius yeah. or not um, um, the but,
0: Gulf duche uh poison arrow frog uh, hmm. um, they were they were pretty neat looking and then we saw what one or two other species uh, out there so that was pretty neat cool yeah excellent it's so cool <laughs> made me uh made me really want to see more you know they're they're cool cool to see them in their natural environment and they're so bold they're just hopping around in the middle of the day you know no big yeah. deal yeah, they <laughs> don't, don't mess care. with me i'm poisonous. in this, mm-hmm. you know so pretty cool yeah are there great pets yeah. so many so many cool animals out there for sure <laughs> especially in the reptile and amphibian world so yeah well we'll we'll have to have you back billy it's been a lot of fun and and thanks again yeah for that'd be great on and um i guess uh check out uh the morelia pythons radio network uh i ha- had a good time listening to carpets and coffee i i was on the the live cast for that one at least for the first half of it and they were talking a lot about Aspidites. they had brett bender on there brett's a great guy that's another one we need to nice have on um yeah he's cool yeah. and then uh talking of course talking aspidites, blackheads and womas. that's always fun uh, some of my favorite animals especially now that i have uh blackheads under my belt <laughs> whole two uh, offspring but <laughs> hopefully uh that that still still thing. counts <laughs> yeah. man hopefully it's, uh, it's that continues uh, and i can have more luck that's better than a zoo tick. <laughs> so yeah we're we're uh yeah better than than t- taking off a. uh, uh desert iguana at uh bob's place but... at bob's place <laughs> sorry phil but uh who would do such a thing who yeah. would do such it's a thing so fun, to, fun to bring that one up <laughs> sorry buddy <laughs> yeah phil's a great guy. Yeah. um yeah check it i wasn't gonna say his name i might be i'm not sure if
1: i'm still in trouble with phil or not i don't think so he's he's pretty forgiving no right? i know um, he, he he messaged me yeah, yeah, he, we're yeah. good we're good but uh yeah. I just don't want to be associated with you <laughs> in your your defamatory <laughs> comments about Phil.
0: Yeah. Uh thanks again to to Eric and Owen and the rest of the NPR crew for you know all they do and for hosting us and allowing us to record this fun podcast and um check us out on our social media, uh JG Julander on Instagram and Justin Julander on Facebook. Uh Chuck Winn, Chuck Norris wins on Instagram and Chuck Poland on Facebook and and Reptile Fight Club, and uh, check us out. We will catch you again next week. Oh, what are you pointing at? Do we want to put out? Uh, <laughs> let Billy put his deets out there. Yeah, or? of course.
2: Oh, sorry. sure. About that
0: yeah.
2: Um, creepers pediculture is my Instagram handle. Naturally, the only place I am. I don't have a particularly big presence. Just getting started again.
0: Cool. No worries. Bringing friends together. Yeah. that's what it's yeah. all about. Exactly. Uh, cool. And uh, with that, we will uh, catch you again next week for another episode of Reptile Fight Club. Keep your dukes up!